It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Yo, welcome back to the Fantasy Points Podcast. I'm Graham Barfield. And today we're going to be going team by team. Yes, team by team. Go through all of these preseason usage notes, all these uh, notes I've made from either watching the games, tracking usage. My guy Scott Barrett and I, we split up all the preseason action over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and we have a ton of good takeaways from all of the action. So this will be kind of like a distilled down version of preseason final, just kind of preseason thoughts in general. Uh, and also some camp cut news. Um, you know, frankly, outside of Marlon Mack yesterday, I, I really don't know if there was a huge cut. Uh, and I don't even really think Marlon Mack moves the needle all that much. There, there really wasn't a, a big surprising cut this year. You know, I think in general, uh, just off the top, I mean, I think we're finding it a lot easier to find good early down runners in the NFL. There's just so many good early down runners in the NFL and very few that, you know, for every Nick Chubb, there's five guys that are like, you know, Marlon Mack, Royce Freeman types who are solid runners. And, you know, you could give those guys 10, 12 carries per game at the NFL level and feel fine with it. But in general, I mean, that's, that's kind of the biggest takeaway I have from this week is, you know, a lot of these backs, man, especially the veteran backs are, there's just, there's just so many of them. Um, Okay. Before we get going, you guys know the drill. FantasyPoints.com, best investment you can make for your fantasy football season. If you haven't subscribed yet, I don't know why, but you need to get on it. You can use code BARFIELD22, save yourself 10% off any subscription package you might like. If you're still drafting in the next week or so, which is completely fine, I have a ton of my, uh, a bunch of my biggest drafts actually in the next couple of weeks, get in, use promo code BARFIELD22 for 10% off either standard or premium package. It works for both. If you were going to be playing in uh, the DFS streets this year, you want to listen to me and Scott ramble on about DFS every Friday night in our big live stream. You want to read Scott's articles every single week, and, and you're definitely going to want to do that. Again, promo code BARFIELD22. Save yourself, it's about 15 bucks off the premium package. Use that 15 bucks. go buy yourself a sandwich, go get a pizza, live your life. Okay. Team by team, preseason usage notes, camp news. Let's get it started. I'll try my best to really breeze through some of these teams that we really didn't learn too much. And we have one off the top with the Arizona Cardinals to start here. They rested pretty much all their key guys all preseason. Kyler didn't play. Uh, we obviously didn't see James Conner. They put him in bubble wrap. Really, the only thing I wanted to know from the Cardinals this, this preseason is who is their number two running back, and I still don't know. Uh, Darrell Williams rested week one and barely played in week two of the preseason. And then, Eno Benjamin out snapped Williams in week three with the first team guys. I, I think it's pretty cut and dry here. Like, Eno's the change of pace passing down back, uh, regardless of if all their guys are healthy. If, if Connor stays healthy, I think, Eno's going to be the change of pace guy and kind of like the guy if they have to play in hurry up or two minute. Maybe some third down situations if they're you know behind on the scoreboard by a bunch. I think you know will play a lot. If Connor does get hurt though, then I think it's Darrell Williams as the like kind of the main early down goal line grinder type back. And in this offense, you know we saw it last year. James Connor scored uh, 15 touchdowns. Uh, that can be a super valuable role. But honestly, I think this is going to be a very <laughs> gross backfield in general if Connor were to miss time. All right, let's keep it moving. Falcons. Uh, Marcus Mariota played four drives this preseason. One drive was against the Lions, three drives against the Jets in week two. And, and Mariota looks sharp, man. Um, I I think a big part of the reason I've been kind of off on Kyle Pitts this year is, is simply because I don't know how much touchdown equity he has. At the end of the day, with tight ends, if you're not Kelsey and you're not Andrews, you're not getting like a 28% target share, 30% target share, which those guys have in the range of outcomes you would better be scoring a lot of touchdowns. And I still think that's the case with Pitts, but Marcus Mariota looks sharp, man. 8 of 12 on 16 dropbacks, 168 yards, and a score. He also added 4 for 30 on the ground with a score uh, coming in that Lions game. And, you know, this is something that 
I noticed with Ritter too, watching the Falcons is, you know, Arthur Smith is programming a lot of play action throws over the middle to keep, um, you know, to make reads easy for both Mariota and Ritter. He did it with both guys. Uh, they used heavy play action with Ritter. Um, Mariota is the same way. You know, I think when you have someone like Kyle Pitts who can get open over the middle against linebackers and safeties at will, uh, that's going to be a humongous part of this offense this year. I, I think Kyle Pitts is like, man, you know, lock for 1,100, 1,200 yards, like pretty easily. Uh, just it comes down to the touchdown total, man. Like if he scores eight or nine, he's probably going to make me look dusty. Uh, but if he only scores five or six and he only averages like 13 and a half fantasy points per game, you know, he pays off ADP there, but he's not a true smash. Okay. I've talked enough about Kyle Pitts, a little bit about their running back rotation. I have a pretty strong lean. CPAT is their guy. Like they protected him this, po- uh, this preseason. Uh, he only played two snaps. That was it. Uh, Damian Williams, Quadralison, who they just cut today. And Tyler Algier split like the rest of the, you know, early down, third down work with Mariota out there. Williams had 10 snaps. Allison had six. Algier had six. Uh, this is, I mean, CPAT, man, I, I think, I think people have kind of been sleeping on him, honestly, all, all off season. I've been taking him a bunch in best ball. I've ended up with him a bunch in managed leagues too, especially on teams where I only have like one or two backs in the first two rounds. I think it makes a ton of sense to come back and get CPAT. And like the ninth, 10th round is a really strong RB2, especially in PPR. Um, you know, look, Algier, Williams, one of those two guys is going to cut into CPAT's early down work. I don't really think that matters all that much, to be honest with you. We want CPAT out there running routes and uh, catching passes. That's what matters most. I don't think Williams or Algier are threats at all to CPAT in that, in that regard. And, and Patterson was a really good goal line back last year, too. If you look through the numbers, CPAT was... Uh, near the tops of the league in terms of goal and uh, conversion. And he got a bunch of carries there as well for that reason. So I I think CPAT is an excellent bet uh, as an RB2, RB3 type play. And it's it's not sexy by any means, but um, you're going to feel comfortable starting Patterson basically every week this season. All right, moving on. The Ravens, the Ravens uh, pretty much rested all their key guys. I mean, Lamar Jackson didn't really play. Lamar Jackson didn't play. Tyler Huntley got all of the uh, snaps with the first team, basically. Um, with their backfield, you know, obviously Kenyon Drake is in tow now. They cut uh, Tyler Beatty, who both Mike Davis and Justice Hill were running ahead of. I, I kind of had a feeling after that second preseason game when Davis and Hill were running ahead of Beatty, and Beatty was playing, like, with the scrubby scrubs. Uh, it was not looking good for, for Beatty. So, uh, yeah, I mean, right now the biggest thing is when are we going to see Dobbins practicing? He's still not. Uh, participated in 11-on-11s at all. John Harbaugh has been super wishy-washy all August, which he should be. I mean, this is a totally situation where they need to under-promise and over-deliver with Dobbins. Uh, This was a really good note that Adam Kaplan made on one of our calls this offseason, and I didn't realize it was a change in the PUP roles. um, But for any player to participate in walkthroughs, they have to be off PUP. So a part of the reason why Dobbins didn't make it on PUP or Godwin didn't make it on PUP is like, yeah, technically those guys probably aren't going to be 100% until October, but those coaching staffs wanted to make sure that they still got through walkthroughs, even if they weren't going to be able to fully uh, practice in 7-on-7 seven seven or 11-on-11. 11 11. So I, I, right now I'm completely out on Dobbins. I've been out on Dobbins all year. I think the sign that they they added Kenyon Drake, who's a, who's a nice fit for what uh, their, their run game is, I think Drake and Davis are, are pretty strongly the 1A and uh, 1B to start the year. And right now, uh, Dobbins is like without a role in week one. Moving on here to the Bills. You know, Josh Allen played one drive in, uh, in week two against the Broncos. He completely like, you know, smashed the Broncos on six plays. Uh, obviously, it was Denver's backups, but whatever. Still looked great. Gabe Davis had a nice touchdown on a scramble drill from Allen. That's just, you know. Josh Allen. Uh, we know the three wide receiver sets, Locke, Diggs, Davis, and McKenzie. McKenzie was the only guy played in the slot with Allen. Um, the big news for the Bills this po- uh, preseason, I keep wanting to say postseason, preseason. The big news is Zach Moss. Um, he's kind of had a zombie kind of resurgence here. He was left for dead, apparently had a really good camp. Some of the Bills beats that I follow were, were hyping up a, up a little bit before the game started coming out. And I was like, eh, get out of here with Zach Moss. But the truth. I mean, 
I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think I said this on the last podcast last week. It's like I fade coach speak 90% of the time. And I just follow how coaches use their players. Cause I think that's the direct indication of how they feel about these guys. And more, more, like the overwhelming majority of the time. And Zach Moss was the number two back in all three of the bills preseason games. Um, well, he technically wasn't the three in their third preseason game because both Singletary and Moss sat while James Cook played. And that's, that's the thing is like, you know, if you're treating Singletary and Moss as kind of like, I, I won't say co-starters, but you know, big role players for your backfield, uh, James Cook is, is not looking good to have a role uh, to start the season. Of course, that does not mean that Cook won't force his way into the field, but I think for right now, he's really just a pat. He's going to be like a passing down only type player while, Singletary and Moss handle most of the early down stuff. And as we know, Josh Allen is one of the biggest cheat codes near the goal line. He's going to always get his uh, inside the 10. And both these backs, all three of these backs, don't really have too much touchdown equity, especially if uh, Singletary and Moss are both splitting the goal line stuff. Panthers, um, we saw Baker Mayfield quite a bit in week three versus the Bills. A full disclosure, and I did, I did not get much of a chance to watch his tape from that game, but the numbers were strong. He went 32 of 22 on 25 dropbacks for 135 yards and two scores this preseason. The the thing that I wanted to look at uh, when I was pulling up some notes this morning is just baseline. Like, what, what were the Panthers doing? How were they setting up personnel-wise? And one thing that struck out stuck out to me is they used a bunch of play action. 36% of Mayfield's dropbacks, uh, the Panthers used play action. And I think, you know, this was kind of like a comfortability thing from Stefanski's system. Is Obviously, Stefanski's very play action heavy. Um, you know, Mayfield, if you look throughout his career, he has some very strong splits when throwing with play action versus without it. When he, when he gets defined throws, Mayfield can spin it, man. Like we, we've seen it plenty of times. We've seen the flashes with him. So that's something I'm going to be tracking early in the season is just how much the Panthers use play action and how much this offense has changed. Cause obviously uh, our guy rule is, is fighting for his job this year. Uh, Panthers just traded for LaVisca Chanel. Who cares? Their wide receiver snaps with Mayfield were uh, Rashad Higgins had 23. Shai Smith had 21. Terrace Marshall had 20. Um, with Mayfield out there, obviously DJ Moore didn't play. We didn't see much of Robbie Anderson. Um, so right now, I think it's pretty clear like Smith is going to play on the slot quite a bit, and then Higgins is like Moore and Anderson's direct backup is like the outside guy. And I, man, Terrence Marshall just just pouring out, man. Like he looked so good last last uh, preseason. I remember just buying into him because he looked so good. Uh, like just ready for a big week one role. Then he got you know dinged up at the end of the camp. Then he had a couple concussions in the middle of the year. Like it, he's just not been able to get his career off the ground, which really sucks. Uh, running back snaps. You're not really drafting a McCaffrey handcuff because we really still don't know. But if you're into this sort of thing, Chuba Hubbard did out snap Deontay Foreman 25 to 15 on all of their snaps with Mayfield on the field again, Mayfield played five drives, pretty solid sample size there. That shows Hubbard is probably slightly ahead of Deontay Foreman, but again, if McCaffrey were to go down, that's going to be some sort of gross split. Moving on to the Bears, Justin Fields was fantastic this uh, this preseason, guys. I, I think I left the door open that you know maybe Nagy just like uh, broke him to an extent where he could, he couldn't make it back. That still remains to be seen. I mean, Fields had really bad accuracy numbers last year, especially when you adjust for depth of target. Uh, you know, Fields is one of the most aggressive downfield throwers last year, but he also was one of the least accurate quarterbacks at all field levels. Um, but he was fantastic this preseason. He was PFF's second highest graded quarterback among quarterbacks that had at least 25 dropbacks this preseason. Again, one of the things I want to look at for the Bears is just how much Luke Getze, their new OC, has changed this offense. And we saw it. Fields used play action on 37% of his past attempts this preseason. That is way up from last year when Matt Nagy used play action just 24% of the time with Fields last year. That was the eighth lowest rate. Uh, you know, Matt Nagy loved to make Justin Fields' life as hard as possible. I'm guessing Luke Getze has learned from that mistake uh, because he, you know, using play action, especially with these mobile quarterbacks, man, when they can kind of extend plays, define things a little bit better for them, uh, they're going to need it because this Bears receiver room is, is disgusting. 
Um, I think they probably are going to make a move. They've got to make a move here in the next couple of weeks for some more depth because, I mean, you can lock in Darnell Mooney for like a 25% target share, uh, like walking out the door and upside for 30 because right now their receiver room is is completely uh, a joke. I mean, Nikhil Harry's hurt. He's not going to play much for them early in the season. I think Byron Pringle will be their starting slot. Uh, I'm going to guess Bellish Jones and uh, St. Brown are going to be the, the outside guys opposite Mooney. It's it's not looking good, but, you know, more reason to buy Cole Komet hype. I think that's definitely justified just given their, their weapons here. And uh, Mooney's been a solid fifth, sixth-round pick all year. David Montgomery, th- that's the big news here is, you know, there is a lot of speculation from Bears beat writers, but no solid intel from either coaches or, uh, you know, really any anything else. It's basically been all speculation that Getsy is going to use some sort of rotation here. We didn't see that. Uh, Fields played a ton in their third and final preseason game. Uh, he played 22 snaps. Montgomery was on the field for 20 of those snaps, which is a 91% snap rate. And uh, Khalil Herbert played into the second half in third uh, third and final preseason game. Uh, Herbert only played one drive in that third and final preseason game um, in the second half. But still, uh, Montgomery got bell cow usage. And I think this is kind of striking at a theme here that, like, sometimes we're really quick to overcre- uh, overreact to just beat writer speculation when it's not sourced. There was never – I never once saw a source from a coach um, that indicated at all that the Bears wanted to go with more of a rotation. Now, that's not saying Khalil Herbert's a bad player. I mean, you look at some of their fish, uh, Montgomery versus Herbert's efficiency numbers last year, and they were very similar. Um, I think Herbert really showed well when Montgomery uh, missed four or five games in the middle of the year with a knee injury. That being said, again, going back with the common theme, it's like, don't listen to what coaches say. Listen to how coaches or watch how coaches use their players. Uh, Montgomery is certainly a guy who, um, man, might be a bell cow at the end of the day. Uh, okay, bunch of teams here we're going to rip through. The Bengals, they rested everybody uh, we care about for fantasy. The only thing we learned, Samaj P. Ryan is the confirmed RB2. He rested all of the preseason while Chris Evans played, and Evans played a lot. So P. Ryan is the RB2 here. Uh, with the Browns, not I wasn't really tracking too much. I knew they wouldn't play Chubb. I knew they wouldn't play Hunt. I knew they wouldn't play Cooper. Uh, Deshaun Watson played in week one, and he was horrible. He missed wide open throws. Uh, remain, I... I I think there's not enough. I think there has not been enough talk this offseason of the fact that Watson, by the time he plays this year, he will have not played football in two years. Now, Deshaun Watson, when healthy, has been nothing but a top five, top six quarterback in the NFL. I'm not saying he's that's going to change, but there's definitely some added downside risk here. You mix in the fact that this is a new coaching staff, all new receivers. Um, there's definitely some chance that Watson, when he does come back this year, gets out of the gates slowly, but that's for another day down the line in week 13. Uh, the only real thing that we learned from the Browns, and this is not really even a thing we learned. We kind of knew this would happen with uh, Austin Hooper leaving, but we got confirmation that David Njoku is a full-time starter now. He ran a route on 19 of 25 pass plays with Jacoby Brissett in the Browns' third preseason game. That's a 76% route share, which is really, really strong for a tight end. That's like borderline elite. The elite tight ends like the Kelseys, the Andrews, uh, the Wallers, those guys are going to route on about 80% of their team's dropbacks. Uh, Njoku is getting really close to that. Um, I, I think out of all of the late round tight ends, I have Frymuth, Irv, Komet, Higby, and Njoku kind of grouped very similarly. And I want one of them if I'm just completely punting tight end, which, frankly, I'm, I'm doing quite a bit in my managed leagues this year. Dallas rested everybody, uh, everybody we care about for fantasy. But they, I think we kind of saw it with the Cooper trade. They got completely pl- uh, played by the Browns. I mean, they just gave up a ham sandwich, basically, for Cooper. Um, and in return, I mean, Cooper's contract, $20 million a year, like, in the broader market is not a bad deal at all. Maybe it's a little on the high side for Cooper and his age and his production. That being said though, I mean, they couldn't keep him strictly because of the Z contract and you mix in the fact now that Tyron Smith is man. Talk about a guy who's had some rough injury luck, man. Uh, he, he is going to be out for at least until November, uh, potentially the entire season. Obviously James Washington is, is still hurt. Um, 
I have not seen anything more about his timeline uh, for return since the er- you know he hurt his foot in early August. Uh, Jalen Tolbert had a very uninspiring preseason. Um, he lost track of where he was on a, on a really nice play, an extension play, uh, where he got open to the back of the end zone, but just kind of lost spatial awareness, which is not something you want to see from a receiver, especially when he was running wide open in the back of the end zone. So Noah Brown's going to be there too. Um, he got starter treatment this preseason. They didn't play him. He's there too, man, uh, alongside CeeDee Lamb. Uh, there's some legit smoke to Tony Pollard playing a lot more especially receiver this year. Uh, moving on here with the Broncos, they rested everybody. Um, Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, their backs. We didn't see any of them. Uh, we did get to see a little glimpse of KJ Hamler, which was great though, coming off his popped ACL. He played in their third and final preseason game, got 25 snaps, five targets, caught three of them for 17 yards. Nathaniel Hackett went out of his way in his post-game presser to praise Hamler, said he looked great, everything we, we, we could want from him. Um, yeah, man, Hamler's going to be their three. He's going to be their starting slot, I think. Uh, he'll kind of be the slot guy with some juice. He played that role quite a bit at Penn State. Uh, he can play in the outside too, man. Uh, you know, I know the Tim Patrick injury was a bummer, especially for me. Uh, not to bemoan my best ball teams, but I did have a lot of Tim Patrick. But uh, KJ Hamler, man, I think he's been way too cheap all offseason. And, and, you know, you're still doing best ball drafts. You've got a deep 12, 14 team lead. Add Hamler to your mix is like a wide receiver six, wide receiver seven. Uh, and wide, uh, you know, rounds 12 through 15. That's, that's like the pocket. Uh, I like getting aggressive on Hamler just because I want uh, a piece of this offense and I still believe in Hamler's talent. The Lions, um, Jared Goff played one drive, looked really sharp against the Falcons back in preseason, uh, uh, excuse me, week one of this preseason. That's all we saw, though. That's all we saw Swift. Uh, that's all we saw Jamal Williams. Didn't really get too much more out of that. Uh, Amon Russell, Brown, and TJ Hawkinson both played a ton in their third and final preseason game, which I found a little bit surprising. I wonder if uh, Campbell just wanted to kind of get those guys tuned up a little bit because they didn't play in the second preseason game, I don't believe. No, they didn't. Um, that was all their backups. But uh, Amon Ra got peppered. Dude, he just gets open at will. Like, it's just it's 7-11 with this guy. He's just open all day, every day um, in especially since they have Hawkinson back. you got to count for Swift coming out of the backfield. DJ Chark will take the top off the defense. You add Jamison Williams in the mix at some point midseason, man. Like St. Brown's going to see a lot of one-on-one coverage underneath. And uh, yeah, NFL slot corners better be ready. Moving on here to the Packers. Uh, they rested everybody. Uh, don't need to spend too much time here. Romeo Dobbs is going to open up the year as their four. Uh, Aaron Rodgers loved him. Uh, I t- tweeted this out whenever Rodgers said it. I think it was after their second preseason game, but he just like, dumped praise on a Dobbs, which is rare for Rodgers to, you know, publicly give so much praise to a player just to begin with, but also a rookie. Uh, it really stood out to me. And, and this is uh, not the exact full quote, but I'm um, basically I'm reading exactly what he said uh, about Dobbs. He said the standard for him will be higher than the rookies we've had in the past because he's going to ex- be expected to play based on his performance in camp. And he's made some plays out there that you really can't coach. Um, you know, obviously a lot of, you know, what Rogers does is off script. And if Dobbs can, uh, you know, get himself open on a lot of those off script plays, like he's going to earn Rogers' trust really, really fast. Uh, Christian Watson is still behind, you know, he had a, a knee a scope that kind of lingered. And I think, you know, the Packers in general, are very, very conservative with, uh, with injuries, uh, we'll see. We'll see Watson. I bet week two, week three, he'll start getting some snaps. But he was about three or four uh, weeks, well, about three weeks behind Dobbs. Uh, if you want to look at it from that angle, uh, one final note here: Robert Tunyon still isn't back full. Um, he is not back practicing full yet. And again, I think he's probably going to be a guy week two, week three, where uh, they start ramping him up, and he probably won't be a full time player until uh, maybe early. October. Uh, all right. Damian Pierce hype train is off the rails. You guys, I, you, you know, you've been listening to me all off season, you know, Damian Pierce is my guy. I was drafting him heavily in the 12th, 13th round of, of best ball drafts this early off season. Um, but man, I mean, he's getting steamed all the way up into the fourth round. It's, it's crazy. Um, look, the, the talent is undeniable. I'm glad everybody sees the talent now because uh, very few did. When he came out of Florida, everybody was so focused on, oh my God, he didn't get enough touches. Oh my God, small sample, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, maybe the Florida staff was just donkeys. Like they misused Kadarius Tony. They played LaMichael Pirine over Damian Pierce. 
like Kyle Pitts is a freak. He's a freak show. Everybody saw it on tape. But like they clearly could have used him more too. Van Jefferson was another weird guy that, that like was really good, but uh, I don't think they used him appropriately. Like this, all of this is to say Florida staff deserves a, uh, when we're talking about, you know, college coaching staffs and misusing players, you, you have to take into account that, you know, that staff is gone now and it, for a reason. Uh, that being said, man, I, I have a really hard time taking Pierce fourth, fifth round, especially over some of the receivers that I'm in love with in that bucket. Uh, we're talking, you know, Cortland Sutton, Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks, Rashad Bateman. Uh, love some Jerry Judy. Uh, I'm drafting Mike Williams in the third round, but you, you can draft Mike Williams in the fourth, fifth round uh, on plenty of uh, sites like Sleeper, Yahoo, uh, with less sharp ADP. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be buying uh, Pierce at this elevated ADP. Uh, I think the right spot for him is like the start of the running back dead zone at like the fifth, sixth round turn, uh, because we still don't really know how much he's going to play in passing downs. This is a legitimate question. I mean, Rex Burkhead played a ton late last year for this team. And if Burkhead's going to play passing downs and when the Texans trail, and I mean, we know the Texans are going to stink again this year. I'm, I'm buying this offense. I think Davis Mills is a little bit better than people give him credit for after his rookie season. But I mean, let's, let's be clear. I mean, the Texans winning like seven, eight games would be like winning the Super Bowl for their fans. Uh, this, this team is going to struggle, which is fine. Uh, but Damian Pierce has to be on the field for uh, a lot of those snaps when they're trailing um, because once their offense gets off schedule and they can't do what they want to do in terms of the early down run game, uh, Pierce is going to have to be on the field. That's still, we don't know. Um, but, you know, buy the hype all you want, man, because the player is great and he's just fun to root for. Uh, Davis Mills was not great this preseason. Uh, I will give him a, a little bit of grain of salt. He didn't have his guy Brandon Cooks out there. All the beat writers were talking up the Bill uh, the, uh, Mills Brandon Cooks connection this uh, this uh, during camp and during preseason. So you know Cooks got starter treatment. Whatever, I'm willing to shake off Mills' uh, bad preseason. But man, he he did look kind of apocalyptically bad back there at times. The offensive line did him no favors, but. Uh, it was sluggish watching the Texans this preseason. Um, other than Pierce, the really other big note that we learned about the Texans is that they are done rotating tight ends. Uh, They're finally done. Every year they've been rotating like three or four guys, it seems like, at, at different points. And it's just kind of just been a, you know, uh, basically a team of suckage for, for tight end usage. But I think they're finally getting away from that. Brevin Jordan uh, played a ton with Davis Mills this preseason. He ran a route on 27 of Mills 31 dropbacks when Mills was on the field. And that is an 87% route share. There's no way that holds up during the season, but it does confirm Jordan is a full-time starter. They view him as such. Uh, and for that reason, I mean, if you're just totally punting tight end in a 12 team league, 14 team league, uh, you want to just kind of have like a, a two tight end rotation where you stream to start the year. I think Brevin Jordan makes a ton of sense in that mix along with like Gerald Everett. Uh, you want to throw Mo Ali Cox in that mix, who we're going to talk about here in a second, uh, and Hayden Hurst. Those are like the three just total punt, like YOLO, give me eight points in week one, and I'll try to figure it out from there. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, let's talk through the Colts here. Uh, we also got conf- confirmation. Well, I won't say confirmation yet because Frank Reich likes to do funny things with his tight ends, but uh, Mo Ali Cox ran a ton of routes with Matt Ryan this preseason. Uh, Ryan played in two games, week one and week three. He had 20 dropbacks, and Mo Ali Cox was out there for 15 of them. That is really strong. Big upgrade from last year when Ali Cox just had a 41% route share. Uh, it was, you know, outside of like the top 35 among tight ends. We've also seen the physical talent with MAC, man. Like, he's got it. Uh, we just wanted him to get a full time role, and I, I'm, I'm leaving the light on, leaving the light on. Uh, for MAC, I've been taking them a lot in Colt stacks in best ball, but it's really thin. I, I think, um, you know, talking through uh, some of these, you know, late round tight ends like Brevin Jordan, Gerald Everett uh, being another guy, uh, Donald Parham is, is hurt. So Everett's going to you know have a little bit bigger of a role for the Chargers this year. He's in that mix, but I'd say at the back end of it. Um, uh, moving on here, their receiver rotation, we already knew. Uh, Pittman, Campbell, Pierce, Campbell's the slot. Pierce is already a full-time outside wide receiver. Don't need to spend much time there. All right. Moving on to the Jaguars, my Jaguars. Um, I, I can say that, you know, it's it's definitely a little bit more of exciting time being a Jaguars fan now that I'm, you know, Urban Meyer's gone and uh, that tr- whole train wreck is, is gone. And um, 
that was easy to spot a mile away. Doug Peterson is hopefully going to instill some sort of stability here. Um, and I, I don't say this is like, I'm not a quarterback scout. You know, I, I stand in my lane. I, I don't try to even attempt uh, to, to scout quarterbacks, but, you know, I, I do think I'm, I'm pretty good uh, in terms of just, you know, kind of feel. I've watched a lot of football in my life. Trevor Lawrence kind of reminds me of Jared Goff. And I, I don't mean this as like a, a bad thing or good thing. I mean, he just is a programmed thrower. Uh, he, he's, he can spin it though, man. Like Goff can throw some of the most gorgeous balls you've ever seen, but he is a program thrower. I think at this point in his career, um, he had some really up and down games this, this preseason. I would have liked to see a little more consistency out of him, but man, the flashes are there. Like he threw a ball on the sidelines to Marvin Jones, uh, that needed to be fitted just perfectly over a Steelers corner. And it was a thing of beauty, man. Like, um, but, you know, Lawrence, I, I think, still has a long way to go. Uh, this really, like, sticking with their passing game, this really wasn't a surprise to me, but Christian Kirk is, like, by far and away the one here. Uh, Lawrence absolutely peppered Kirk with targets in the one game they played uh, together back in week two. Uh, Kirk had a 38% target share. Eight, uh, he had eight targets on 21 attempts from Lawrence. Uh, Kirk's going to be really involved, man. He's a really strong PPR wide receiver three or four. I like him a little bit less than half PPR just because I worry about the touchdown upside with this Jags offense. But uh, yeah, man, really, really strong bet for like 130 uh, targets somewhere in that range. Uh, I, I thought Travis Etienne showed some meaningful progress. He bounced runs, looked really sloppy in week one, had a really bad drop, came back in week two and ran really hard. Really, uh, He was downhill, decisive. Uh, I thought he looked much, much better. Uh, Jags offensive line did him no favors. They were absolutely awful in that game uh, back in uh, two weeks now. But most of his con- most of his yards came after contact. And I think with ETN, man, like it's just kind of a matter of time. Like the physical talent is there. He's just really got to knock off some rust because the dude hasn't played in two years. You know, Eff- effectively has not played in two years. Um, Etienne certainly gave me a lot of hope in that second preseason game, man. Because the thing with him is like, you know, he's, he knows he's got the physical talent to beat, you know, linebackers and DBs and, and college to the edge when he needs to bounce a run. But you can't do that in the NFL very often. Uh, he's got to get downhill, get downhill quick, trust his read and go. And uh, I thought Etienne did that on every single carry. Back in uh, the second preseason game, Jags re- arrested all of their starters in their third game. All right, moving on here to the Chiefs. They're keeping four running backs. A little bit of a surprise there. CEH is the starter. Then I think McKinnon will be the, like kind of like the backup to CEH, plus the passing down back. Then I guess Rojo and Pacheco are going to mix in for five or six early down carries per game. Um, I know Pacheco's a fun story. I, I know he's big and fast and strong, um, but his vision was absolutely terrible this preseason. Um, I watched all of his carries. The guy can't run zone. Like, he, he can't literally can't process a simple inside zone play. Like he was running the back of his offensive lineman. It was, it was really bad. And, you know, look, I, Andy Reid knows running backs better than any coach in the NFL. And maybe he can scout running backs better than any person in NFL history. Uh, I got to think, man, some of him keeping Rojo was because Pacheco was so, so bad on their inside zone stuff this preseason. And not to mention, you know, I, I love to trash Rojo. It's it's just like an easy layup. Um, you know, look, he's like fantasy catnip. It's like Josh Gordon just for running backs. But Rojo ran really hard in their third and final preseason game, and that probably earned him a spot. Uh, he ran really, really hard, great intensity. He had, uh, you know, extreme, like extremely good vision. Um, and he was decisive, and that's something that Pacheco was not doing. He was not decisive. He wasn't getting downhill. Um, and you know, CEH is tiny. He looks tiny. He gets lost out there, but he's a really good inside runner. Like he's a crafty inside runner. Rojo's doesn't have the craftsmanship that CEH has as an inside guy, but, uh, yeah, Rojo is, uh, I think by far and away the, a better inside runner than Pacheco. Not that that matters too much for fantasy, but, uh, just talking backs here. Uh, look, I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm not worried at all about Travis Kelsey, Juju's usage at all. Like Kelsey's 33 years old guys. He's in his fifth year with Mahomes. I'm not going to freak about his first team usage. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, they obviously played played it really safely with him. He's had a bit of a knee issue. Uh, this is kind of like a reoccurring theme with him. He's going to be fine. Uh, but 
the bigger thing here is Mahomes just came out and dunked on everybody. Uh, he played three drives, went 18 of 26 for 222 yards, had three touchdowns. Again, three drives without Kelsey, mainly without Kelsey, no Juju. Uh, Justin Watson was the number one in the second game. Uh, hey, maybe that Mahomes guy doesn't need Tyreek Hill to be super successful. Like, both things can be true. Tyreek Hill can be amazing at what he does, and Patrick Mahomes is still QB God. Um, uh, last note on the Chiefs here, because I think it's worthwhile. Sky Moore was really quiet this preseason. Uh, really didn't do much at all. Still weird seeing him in 24 out there. I, I, I kind of can't get over that. I love Sky Moore, the player, but come on, man. Listen, we're going over the top here with some of these wide receiver numbers. 24, like you're, you look like a corner out there. Uh, but he was really quiet. Started and played in the second preseason game, or excuse me, started and played until the second drive of their third and final preseason game. Then he got put on ice. It was good to see him out there with the starters, but again, just didn't really do too much. I think this is uh, something that Scott's talked about. Uh, we've talked about all off season is this is like a true committee. Like Juju will have like a 20% target share. MBS will be like 18, then more, you know, 16, 14, something like that. Nicole will mix in for his usual, like 10 to 12. Uh, and then Kelsey will just be the alpha, like 25, 26, 27% target share, just like normal. All right, moving on. We've got a couple teams that we can bust through here pretty quickly. The Raiders, they rested everybody all throughout the preseason. Uh, their running back rotation is cut in stone. Josh Jacobs is the 1A. I think Zamir White will mix in more than people think is the 1B. And then Abdullah will be the passing down guy. Uh, the wide receiver order is cut and dry, too. We got clarity on that a couple weeks ago. It'll be Adams, Renfro, Mac Hollins, Keelan Cole, and then Tyron Johnson will kind of like be their shot play guy. But, but Hollins and Cole are going to play a ton. Uh, Renfro, by the way, is going to play a ton. And I've been drafting Renfro a bunch in PPR. I'm out on an and a half because I, I think the, the touchdown equity isn't quite there with Adams there. Waller highly involved near the red zone as well. But Renfro is an every down player now, guys. Um, last year he was, um, I won't, I don't want to say part-time player because that's not the right way to say it. He was definitely not a part-time player, but he wasn't getting every down snaps. He uh, played above 80% of the team snap share just three times last year. I think Renfro is going to be just like what Julian Edelman was for the Patriots and, and McDaniels and all those offenses back in the day. He's going to play in, in 12 personnel. He's going to play in two wide receiver sets. He's going to be a full-time player. And then Hollins and Cole kind of be like the, the rotational guys in three wide receiver stuff. Uh, Chargers, they rested everybody. Uh, sharp organizations rest all their guys, especially when you have the continuity that the Chargers have. I cannot wait to see this offense, man. I, I, Justin Herbert is ready to set the world on fire. Big thing we learned, though, is Isaiah Spiller is dust. Um, I, you know, I was lower on him for yards created, but, man, I didn't expect this. He's their number four uh, in this offense right now. Larry Roundtree and Joshua Kelly both got 20 snaps apiece with the Chargers air quotes. I'm doing air quotes here. Air quotes first team offense. Uh, it was really just the guys who came out first uh, in their first two preseason games. Roundtree and Kelly got 20 snaps. Spiller got two. Uh, Spiller played well into the third quarter of their second preseason game. Then he hurt his ankle. He's still hurt. Don't draft any of these guys. Rams, they rested everybody. Nice story. Lance McCutcheon made the team, but eh, we never learned anything about the Rams in the preseason. We know what they are. I uh, want to spend a little bit of time on the Dolphins here because they're, I think, the trickiest but also the most fun offense to try and analyze this offseason. And I'm, I'm really excited to see it come together. Uh, a couple things. Tua's ball placement and accuracy was on point all preseason. He didn't miss a single throw. Like, the progression was there. He went one, two, three if he needed it. Ball was out. Like, it, 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 I, I didn't expect Tua to – maybe I should refrain from this because Tua was fantastic at Alabama. Like, you know, obviously a lot of that was programmed and they had the receivers they had. And, you know, they have three guys that are in the NFL now. Still can be true. Like Tua looked fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see him as kind of just like a Drew Brees esque ball distributor. And you know, I'm not saying he's Drew Brees, but Greg Cosell always said if you want to draft Tua, his ceiling is he is Drew Brees. He's a, a the most accurate quarterback in the NFL who throws the most catchable ball, and he's highly accurate. And you know, we're long. We got a long way to go with Tua, man. But uh, this preseason was was really strong for him. This run game is going to absolutely destroy people, guys. They were gashing the Eagles. And I, I was a little bit surprised that McDaniel even ran some of this stuff. But, I mean, they, he was running his like their shit. Uh, lots of motion with Smythe is kind of like the move tight end. Uh, lots of deception in terms of the way they were aligning their guys. 
Um, Mostert's big run in their third and final preseason game against the Eagles was a beautiful counter concept. Literally just got the whole defense flowing to one side, and Mostert has the speed to cut it back. Uh, and it was basically like a one-on-one matchup. Uh, you know, not only was the counter stuff great, they they ran a bunch of like trap concepts that went for huge plays too. Um, you know, McDaniel's clearly learned a lot from Shanahan, but he he's added a lot of his own wrinkles. Um, the, yeah, I think if you put Edmonds back there, you put Mostert back there, it, it's not really going to matter. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if this Dolphins running back group ends the season top five in most efficiency metrics, like yards per carry, EPA. Like, this run game is is ready to go. It's ready to go. All right. About halfway through. Let's keep it rolling. Vikings rested everybody. We don't have to spend much time there. Kellen Mond got cut. Um, there's not much. There was some Alexander Madison trade talk, but nah, we're not going to spend time on that. Uh, Patriots here. Uh, look, I'm not going to sit here and, uh, you know, act all arrogant and say I know better than Bill Belichick. Like, good Lord. I mean, imagine the hubris of that. But, like, Mac Jones in this offense still didn't look good. And I have no idea how this off, like how this whole thing with Patricia and Judge is, is going to work out. Like they had seven drives where Mac Jones was on the field this preseason and four of them went three and out. They had just 161 yards of total offense and that shakes out to about three quarters of work. Mac Jones had a little over 40 snaps, about three quarters of work. It was, it was sloppy. Uh, outside of a really nice go ball to Aguilar, um, uh, I think it was their second preseason game. All these games are going together. It was like a 45-yard play. Uh, really great ball from Jones. Really great uh, catch from Aguilar. Like, outside of that, like, they generated, like, almost no explosive plays. It was pretty rough. And, again, preseason, they got to figure all this stuff out. But, I, you know, first look at this Patricia Judge thing was not great. Um, one thing I did want to track, too, is just how often Jones was targeting his receivers. And to be expected, it was a true rotation. Parker... Uh, Devontae Parker was the, the top target with five looks. Aguilar had four targets, then Bourne and Myers both had three apiece. And I think that's the case, man. They got a four-man rotation with Tyquan Thornton out for some time with a shoulder injury. And they're going to have a two-man rotation at tight end, too. Um, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith might legitimately be in a tight end by committee. Uh, Smith had a, a bunch of stuff go against him last offseason. Um, I think he got COVID, missed some time. It was a new offense for him, obviously. Just never really seemed like he got fully into it. Smith's apparently had a great camp, and he's really taken to the new offense. Um, per the Patriots team beat writer Evan Lazard, uh, the staff has been manufacturing touches for John New this uh, preseason. And that's kind of a little bit what we saw with the Titans. And that's why I was a little surprised we didn't see that last year, because Bill Belichick you know, has loved John New his entire career. Uh, but, you know, we saw it. Uh, their final preseason game, Mac Jones had 18 dropbacks. Henry ran 10 routes. Smith ran eight. Uh, this is this is legit happening, guys. You know, I think Henry is uh, was bound for a little bit of touchdown regression. Uh, he had the highest touchdown dependency, or the second highest, excuse me, touchdown dependent dependency among tight ends last year. So that's just looking at the percentage of fantasy points coming strictly from touchdowns. Henry had the second highest dependency on that. And you know, I was bound to regress a little bit, but now especially if Johnny Smith's going to be out there playing a bunch, uh, I'm completely out on Henry. Uh, I've taken both Henry and Johnny quite a bit in best ball, but I'm staying the hell away from them and managing Saints, uh, moving on to the New Orleans Saints here. Uh, Jameis Winston got one drive. He missed a lot of camp with a foot sprain, obviously in addition to the knee rehab, but he got one, one drive in week three, looked good. Uh, you know, they went down, punched one in really quickly. Alan Kamara got four carries on that one drive last week. Uh, looked awesome. Vision and Burst was both there. Uh, he looked like Alvin Kamara. Uh, got pulled at the goal line. Whatever. It's preseason. Hopefully it doesn't happen too much during the season. Ingram took the goal line plunge. Um, really, the only thing we learned about the Saints, and this isn't really much to learn, should be no surprise. Chris Olave is already the number three. He got starter treatment in that third and final preseason game. Went out with the starters then didn't come back on the second drive once they pulled Winston and Marquez Callaway is your four. Uh, let's go to the Giants here. We'll go through the new uh, both Jets teams. Quite a bit to get to with both, actually. Start with the Giants. Wandale uh, Robinson didn't really get a whole lot of burn. Uh, he had one end around in their third and final preseason game where he finally got into space and you saw a little bit of the juice. 
but he, you know, he got open on a little underneath route early in that game from Tyrod Taylor, and, and Taylor threw it at his feet. Uh, so hopefully that doesn't happen with Daniel Jones. But um, Wandale was slot only, man. Uh, he lined up in the slot 80, on 85% of his total preseason snaps. Uh, God bless him. They're going to be running Kenny Galladay out there. Uh, and hopefully Kadarius Tony can get back by week one. But if Tony isn't out there, it'll be Shepard, I think, as their starting outside guy opposite Galladay than Wandale in the slot. Um, either way, man, Wandale is, is, is going to be slot only to start the year. And we want that. You know, we want Daniel Jones throwing into the flat, getting those PPRs. But uh, this offense is is got some – Dable is going to have to work his magic here because these receivers are are probably going to be struggling unless Tony can can somehow get healthy. Uh, on the Giants' 37 first-team pass plays this season, they've ran 37 of them. Daniel Bellinger has been out there on the field for 30 of them. Uh, they really have no choice. Ricky Seals-Jones is on IR now. Um, but, man, uh, you know, Bellinger is going to be a full-time player come week one and – I don't think he's draftable in managed leagues, but I've certainly been taking him as a tight end three in final best ball drafts. All right. Uh, the other New York team, we'll talk through some Jets here. Uh, Joe Flacco in the first team played four drives, 21 snaps in total in their third and final preseason game. Elijah Moore, no surprise, was the lead receiver in terms of routes run with 11. Corey Davis had nine. Tyler Conklin was the top tight end with eight routes run, followed by CJ Uzama at seven. Braxton Barris had five, then Garrett Wilson had three. And this is really the thing I want to talk about. I was like, Garrett Wilson for right now is behind. Um, I, I'm not sure why. I've tried to I've tried to source it. I, I can't really find anything on it. It could be one of those situations where they just want to make him earn it, you know, quote, earn it from the coaching staff. We'll see. But Wilson has definitely slid down boards uh, the last couple of weeks. And it's, you know, certainly a concern. Really the bigger thing I want to talk about is this backfield here. Um you know, overall, the backfield was split right down the middle with Flacco in their third preseason game. Carter had 12 snaps with the four, uh, first team. Hall had nine. And Carter outsnapped Hall on early downs, 10 to 6, and he got one more third down. He had two to Hall's one. And, you know, I think right now Hall was always a little overdrafted in the fourth and fifth round. I, I talked about this in my Best Ball Tears article that, you know, he's probably fits the profile a little bit more of a dead zone back as a pro as opposed to like a third or fourth rounder this year. And now he's starting to slide in the sixth round. And I think that's about right for him. Uh, this is going to be a true one, a one B situation with Hall and Carter to start the year. Uh, we'll probably see a, a very similar situation to the, what the Broncos did last year is like for now, for now to start the year, it'll be like, you know, Carter gets the first drive, Hall gets the second drive and they just rotate from there. And uh, that is not what you're looking for from a fourth, fifth round pick, you know, Hall, I think is a really strong RB three. If you can stash him with like, you know, a strong runner, uh, in the first two rounds. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Carter is going to be a lot more involved than, than most Brees Hall truthers want him to be moving it on here to the Eagles. Hertz played one drive in the preseason. Uh, it was week one. It was perfect. He went six for six for 80 yards. They threw it every time, uh, ended in a touchdown to Goddard. He also had a running touchdown called back on that drive. Um, but you know, I think this is probably a sign that the Eagles are going to be throwing a lot more. Um, you know, late last year, they had one of the most out of whack pass run splits that you'll ever see in the NFL. I mean, they're, you know, the Eagles are going like 58, 60% run heavy on early downs last year. That ain't going to happen again this year with AJ Brown and all their guys out there. Uh, you know, I think Hertz and the Eagles will probably end up being, uh, pretty balanced overall, but, uh, they're going to be throwing a lot more this year. Uh, quickly to their backfield here. I still, I'm not entirely sure where to go with this because all of the Eagles beat writers are talking about how good of a camp Gainwell had, but we saw Sirianni run Boston Scott ahead of Gainwell in the second week of preseason. And then Scott rested in week three while Gainwell played in their third and final preseason game. And you know, I think this is a little bit of paralysis by analysis. Miles Sanders uh, was also hurt. Um, he nursed a hamstring all of August. But I think the broader point here is this is going to be a true three-man rotation. Like, Gainwell will probably play more in passing downs, but I, I think all three are going to share early down work. Uh, I've been out on Miles Sanders all year. I'm still out on Miles Sanders. I think, actually, Boston Scott's probably the best bet to make in this backfield at this point if you just want to go for value. But uh, I, I could see a situation where all three of these guys just eat into each other so much that, that none of them are usable unless we have 
an injury. All right, uh, final couple teams. The Steelers, talking through George Pickens, Kenny Pickett, man, just some amazing young talent they have here. If Kenny Pickett is as good as he looked this preseason, then he followed, you know, he kind of keeps the, the train rolling um, and overtakes Mitch Trubisky. Like, I think the Steelers staff saw enough from Pickett to at least make it a, a debate. Mike Tomlin uh, said today, it's August 30th, said today that, that he's not willing to make a, uh, to name a starter yet, which tells me that it's a legitimate debate. Uh, it's a legit debate between Pickett and Trubisky. Uh, you know, Pickett's been drawing dra- uh, rave reviews from pretty much everybody that I trust uh, on quarterbacks, including Greg Cosell. Uh, looks super poised. Uh, was, I mean, basically looked ready to start. Um, ball placement was fantastic. Uh, footwork was fantastic. Again, he was playing against second, third, and fourth stringers. You know, they never really gave him a shot against the first team offense. Trubisky, you know, started all the games, but, um, you know, Pickett was, was really the big story. Not not to take anything away from Trubisky, by the way. Uh, he was solid, but it just kind of feels like a matter of time with Pickett. And I think the coaching staff sees this too. Uh, nobody ever doubted George Pickett's physical talent coming out. We had no idea what some of the off-field concerns were, but we knew they were there. Uh, Pickens is that dude, man. Uh, and it took him all of three weeks to overtake Chase Claypool. Uh, in their second preseason game with Claypool playing, Deontay playing, uh, Pickens ran more more routes than Claypool, and Claypool was a full-time slot player. So basically Pickens is, is their starting outside receiver opposite Deontay Johnson, and then Claypool will be a full-time slot player, like big slot, which is exciting for Claypool. Like, I think it's optimal for all of their guys. Like, you know, Deontay can play anywhere. Pickens is you know, probably just when I'm on the outside, just beefing dudes, and then, uh, and then Claypool. Uh, in the slot, it's kind of like a you know a big vertical slot guy. Um, I think that's ideal for all of these all of these dudes. And uh, man, Steelers between the, you know between their three receivers and Firemuth, uh, some serious weapons here. Uh, let's move it on here. Talking through some 49ers. Really, the only thing I wanted to know was their backfield uh, and just kind of how that rotation shakes out. And in classic Kyle Shanahan fashion, he kept five running backs. If you want to include Kyle Juszczyk, he kept six. And if you want to really get fun, Debo counts as running back too. Uh, obviously, I know his, you know he's going to be running way less this year, yada, yada, yada. But Debo averaged 6.2 yards per carry last year. He, he should be included in that rotation too. So really, the, the Niners have a seven-man backfield. I'm obviously being facetious here. Uh, but they did keep their, their, uh, their guy Jordan Mason, uh, Trey Sermon, uh, and TDP to Tyrion Davis Price all are on the active roster. It really, the one-two has been clear all of August. I mean, they rested Jeff Wilson. They tra- they treated Wilson like their number two all of August, and yeah, he's he's been there too. Eli Mitchell's back in practice, coming uh, coming back from a hamstring injury. I think they were just really playing it safe. Didn't sound like too severe of an injury, but they were probably just playing it safe with Mitchell. Uh, Shanahan freaking loves the guy, man. Uh, but Wilson's the two, and then I have no idea. Uh, who their three is. I, I'm going to bet it's TDP. I, I really don't know. Uh, Trey Sermon looked not great to me. Uh, I think both Davis Price and Mason were processing faster. They both had better burst. Um, you know, Sermon, you know, I guess obviously he did enough to make the team, but I, I don't think he has done anything to really crack a roll here. All right, we're going to move it on here to a couple final teams, sticking with the NFC West, moving quickly here with the Seahawks. Juno Smith was the quarterback one all along. Uh, Drew Locke, unsurprisingly, did not play well. Uh, was all over the place. He's been. He's Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke is still Drew Locke. News. Newsflash. Uh, so it's Juno Smith. Uh, we did kind of interestingly. They cut Freddie Swain, uh, who was their three last year. Uh, I think D. Eskridge will be their slot. He made his debut in their third and final preseason game. I think he's going to be their slot. And uh, yeah, we'll have a you know rotation of Metcalf, Lockett, and then Eskridge in the slot. Moving into the Bucks here, Tyler Johnson's cut was probably the biggest surprise of the day. I mean, he, you know, struggled last year uh, quite a bit when they had some injuries and he was kind of forced on the field, really was a non-factor, but he was fantastic this preseason. I thought he did enough to earn a spot, but so did Jalen Darden and Scotty Miller. Both those guys beat out Tyler Johnson as they made the team. Uh, the Bucks are keeping seven receivers, probably all as Godwin insurance. Um, you know, I, I've been drafting Chris Godwin. I wrote an article about it on the site. Uh, how much I love Godwin is, is a three or a four in the sixth round, seventh round of drafts. I've been hammering Godwin there still. 
but that being said, I always drafted Godwin with the idea like, hey, I'm probably not going to be able to use this guy until October. Um, and again, like I said, with the Dobbins thing off the top, you know, maybe, you know, he's right on track, but they really brought, you know, didn't put him on PUP so he can be with the team, et cetera. So uh, I'm still tracking as if Godwin barely plays in week one, if at all. And then we go from there. All right. Uh, moving on to the Titans. I mean, anybody with eyes that saw the Titans can clearly see Malik Willis is a special playmaker. Uh, just both in terms of his sack evasion, his awareness in the pocket, uh, his quick twitchiness, open field moves like the dude's a total freak. Uh, that being said, there's a lot that needs to be worked with him uh, when it comes to him as a passer. Uh, he, he held the ball for way too long. According to Greg Cosell, he needs to be quicker with his elimination and isolation, uh, which is basically just saying, you know, he's got to be a lot faster through its progressions. But again, uh, Cosell said it too. You can see the freak physical talent that he is. Um, Traylon Burks is like an enigma, man. You know, I, I really can't put a finger on it, but like his routes just weren't like special. Like he just lacks suddenness in and out of his breaks. He was just kind of like floating on plays out there. Like there, there's just something not all there with Burks right now. And I hope he can figure it out because the Titans desperately need him to figure it out. But he's behind Kyle Pitts and Nick Westbrook Ikeen right now. Um, Phillips and uh, Phillips ran ahead of him, ahead of Burks in the second preseason game, uh, and they were co-starters in the third and final preseason game. I think Phillips is going to play ahead of him in Week One. Uh, Westbrook Ikeen got started treatment in their third and final preseason game. Uh, guys, this is the worst wide receiver group in the league by far. Uh, all right, finishing out 32 teams. We're done uh, in about an hour's worth of time here. Less than an hour. Look at that. Look at that. That's why they pay me the medium-sized buck, guys. Uh, the commanders. Talk through these uh, commanders here for a little bit. Uh, Jahan Dotson was the wide receiver two from the jump. No surprise there. Um, he's going to be starting opposite McLaurin uh, week one. Um, you know, for – and this is this is why I think it's it's – fun and also important to get in the nitty gritty of like just how exactly far along these rookies are. Like it's all over the map right now. Like we talked through Garrett Wilson and the jets, like, you know, Wilson's probably a little bit behind. Uh, Burgess is really far behind. And then you look at Jahan Dotson, like the, the staff was like, yeah, he's our two from the jump. They treated him that, that way all preseason and uh, he's their guy. So, you know, that's, that's kind of like, you know, the mental curve that I, I try to, uh, think think things through is like, you know, if these coaches are immediately getting these rookies immediate playing time, uh, it's probably a good sign for their roles early in the season and as the year goes on. Uh, I wanted to make a note here. Sam Howell, um, I thought looked pretty good this preseason. Uh, Greg Cosell knows more, uh, way more. And he said that after Howell's first game, the Howell saw the field well, didn't play fast. He was poised. And this is something that, you know, we saw at UNC, but like he he's really pretty good in terms of like his second reaction plays and uh, extending the pocket. Uh, Carson Wentz in his prime was very good at it too. But, you know, I, I think Sam Howell clearly showed he's got the physical talent to play in the NFL. Uh, and if Carson Wentz uh, struggles this year, uh, I think Washington will, will pull the cord quick um, on Wentz and, and give Howell a, a legit shake. Um, you know, this is, this is Wentz's last chance, man. This is it. Um, not to end this podcast, I'm too sour of a note, but you know, amazingly, Brian Robinson avoided serious injury after, uh, the attempted carjacking, uh, per Mike Garofolo at the NFL network, uh, all of the, the bullets somehow by the grace of God missed all major ligaments in his knee. Um, so he is, you know, without a timetable for return, obviously, um, but fantastic news that he, uh, you know is going to be able to play uh, not only uh, again in his career, but maybe even this year. And one kind of like tea leave that Washington dropped, they cut Jarrett Patterson who played quite a bit for them late last year when Gibson got hurt. Uh, they cut him. So they expect uh, Robinson to be back. Um, you know, I think they would have kept Patterson as insurance if, if Robinson's injuries were uh, more severe, but thankfully they were not. All right, guys, this was a lot of fun. We got through all 32 teams in an hour. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. If you made it this far again, if you haven't subscribed to the site, 
get on that now. Use promo code Barfield22. Um, Scott Baird and I are going to be doing a big show. Uh, we got Matthew Berry coming on the site doing a live stream on uh, Wednesday afternoon. Oh, is it Wednesday afternoon? All these days are getting mixed up. Thursday afternoon. Sorry, guys. Uh, Thursday afternoon, 530. I'm the worst promo man of all time. Wednesday afternoon, uh, Thursday afternoon. God, it did it again. Uh, 530 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we'll be talking through Matt Berry's Love Hate, uh, talking through some final uh, fantasy notes for your drafts this weekend. It's going to be a good time. So make sure you check that out. Uh, guys, I'm out. I'm going to go get some food. Thanks for listening. Catch you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Thank you.